This is the Bible in One Year Express, day 145. How to face giant problems. Goliath was a giant. He was nine feet tall, a champion, wearing heavy armor, standing and shouting, defying the people of God. As well as physical giants, there are metaphorical ones. A giant is a big, seemingly insurmountable problem or issue. Personal giants could include giant personal challenges in relation to your health, marriage, family, relationships or lack of relationships, job or lack of job, or some sin, temptation, addiction, fear, loneliness, discouragement or debt. National giants in the UK include terrorism, racism, gang violence, homelessness, breakdown of marriage, family life and community. There is therefore the giant task of evangelizing the country, revitalizing the church and transforming our society. Global giants include war, climate change, pandemics, extreme poverty as a result of which thousands of children die each day, preventable disease, millions dying of diseases for which we have a relatively easy cure, the need for universal primary education, almost one billion people unable to read and the need for worldwide water sanitation, which could be funded by the amount of money that Europeans spend on ice cream every year. There are two possible attitudes when facing a giant. One is to say, it's so big, there's nothing I can do. The other is to say, it's so big, I can't miss. From Psalm 67 May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face shine on us, so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest, God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still, so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Think global. God loves the entire world. He wants all nations and peoples to know him, worship and love him. The psalmist prayed for God's blessing on his people, in order that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. We see in this psalm that the global vision for the people of God beyond their own borders was foreshadowed in the Old Testament. The psalmist prays for the entire globe. If we are to tackle the global giants, we need a global vision. The words of this psalm are all about God. The size of your vision will depend on the size of your vision of God. As A.W. Tozer put it, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Lord. Be gracious to us and bless us. Make your face shine upon us. Make your ways known on earth and your salvation among all nations. May all the people praise you. New Testament from John 15 and 16 I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. Remain in me, 
as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Testify about Jesus. There is nothing more important and no greater privilege in life than to be a friend of Jesus. Jesus says, you are my friends. I no longer call you servants. I have called you friends. Having Jesus as your friend allows you to tackle the giants in your life, in the church and in society, from a unique standpoint. First, personal. Jesus tells us that there are two secrets of Christian fruitfulness. First, there is pruning. The purpose of pruning is so that you can bear even more fruit. Pain, sorrow, sickness and suffering, loss, bereavement, failure, disappointment and frustrated ambition are some of the ways your life is pruned. Pruning can seem cruel. Branches are left jagged and exposed to face the harsh winter. But the purpose of pruning is to give way to newness of life. When spring and summer come, there is an abundance of fruit. The sharp pruning knife will, in the end, bring fruitfulness and blessing. The second secret of fruitfulness is closeness to Jesus. You cannot take on the giants by yourself. Jesus says, when you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. You will only succeed in tackling the giants if you stay close to Jesus. Cultivate a growing friendship with Jesus by spending time with him, walking with him, praying and listening to him through his word, following his desires. Jesus says that if you stay close to him, remain in him, three things will happen in terms of fruitfulness. First, your prayers will be answered. Second, God will be glorified. Third, your joy will be complete and overflowing. Jesus wants you to be filled with joy and fully alive. There is no greater joy than to know you are valued, precious, 
and loved by God and to love others as you are loved. There's no greater joy than giving eternal life to others in and with Jesus. Second, church. There are massive giants facing the church today. The biggest giant is disunity. Nothing is more of a hindrance to the message of Jesus than division between Christians. Disunity will only be overcome by love. Jesus said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is my command, love each other. Third, society. Jesus warns us that we will face the giant of a world that hates us. He says, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. He says, those who kill you will think they're offering a service to God. There are parts of the world where this is literally true today. But there's also other more subtle forms of hidden persecution. No one likes to be rejected, looked down on, made fun of or ridiculed. Jesus warns that wherever you are, you should expect opposition, hatred and even persecution. On our own, we would have no answers, but Jesus says, When the Counselor comes, whom I send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me, and you also must testify. The Holy Spirit enables you to testify about Jesus and to take on these giant challenges to see our society transformed. Lord, thank you that you call me your friend. Help me to love others as you have loved me. Old Testament from 1 Samuel 16 and 17 The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. David asked the men standing near him, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? When Eliab, David's eldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? You came only to watch the battle. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Trust in God David was extraordinarily gifted. Naturally, as well as supernaturally, he was handsome and in good health. He was talented musically. He was a gifted speaker. He had athletic ability. He was a leader. He was successful. He was famous. Yet it was for none of these reasons that God used him. The Lord said to Samuel, The Lord does not look at the things people look at. Human beings look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. David was outraged by Goliath's defiance of the living God. He was a courageous leader. He said, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine Goliath. What lessons can we learn from the way in which David 
tackled this giant. First, reject rejection. Eliab said to David, What are you doing here? Why aren't you minding your own business, tending this, that scrawny flock of sheep? I know what you're up to. You've come down here to see the sights, hoping for a ringside seat at the bloody battle. Yet David turned away from Eliab. The lesson we learn here is not to be put off if rejected or ill-treated. As Joyce Meyer writes, God is not looking for someone with ability, but someone with availability. Keep your heart pure by refusing to allow hatred, fence, bitterness, resentment or unforgiveness to stop you. Second, get involved. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. He volunteered his services. I'm always so moved and impressed by the way in which our congregation are willing to volunteer their services, praying, serving and giving. Third, trust God. Saul says to David, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. Yet David replies, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. He trusts God because he knows that God is with him. Ultimately, the reason that David was able to tackle Goliath was that he was anointed by God. Samuel took his flask of oil and anointed him and his brothers standing round watching. The Spirit of God entered David like a rush of wind. God vitally empowering him for the rest of his life. The only way you will be able to tackle the giants in your life, in society and in the world, is through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, as I face the giants, I need the anointing of your Holy Spirit upon me and your presence with me. Give me courage not to run away, not to lose heart and not to give up. Pepper adds, In 1 Samuel chapter 16 verse 7 it says, The Lord does not look at the things people look at. Human beings look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I have been guilty of judging people on their outward appearance. I have often met people that are very quiet and unassuming on the outside, and I've hardly noticed them, and then found out that they're changing the world around them in wonderful ways. It says, however, David did have a fine appearance, with handsome features, and was ruddy, whatever that is. I'm impressed already.